Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Tim, and I think this, everybody here is pretty much the home people this morning on this new year, this first Sunday. Uh, they say that uh, New Year's a good time to start new things, and uh, you know, I think the, uh, some people don't even want to talk about New Year and talk about beginning like, oh man, you just set yourself up for being let down in the rest of the year, so let's just get on with it and let's, you know, but even in the Old Testament, they would like uh, make memorials. They, they had their festivals on certain dates. They would pile up these rocks when something happened or they got to this point where they wanted to remember something and then they would move on. But they would pile the rocks up and go, okay, that was good. Now let's go. And they could look back to it. And so I think a new year, new year is kind of like that. It's kind of like uh, the time we can look back, but it's also the time we look forward more than back. And uh, let's get on with it. And, of course, every year we talk about weight, don't we? They say you gain around eight pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. Eight pounds. And so, uh, you know, we all look around, down, behind, and go, maybe I do need to, you know, work on a little bit coming up. I looked up my caloric intake for my uh, age and weight, and I'm supposed to take in like 2,000 calories a day, something like that. I don't even, I asked I ask my wife, because I don't keep up with these kind of things, I said, well, do you think I take in that much every day? And she just went, <laughs> like, I think you take in a little more than 2,000. And, and, and then I read that, you know, I'd have to cut it back to about 1,750 if I wanted to lose any weight. And so the question, you know, for me, if I went in to 2014 is would I want do I hunger more for that loss than I do for what got me to that where I am you get what I'm saying do I hunger more for losing that weight than I do for what got me to that weight and so if I can cut that 250 calories out of my diet every day and then by this time next year things would be different and uh, and that's the way we look at you know, a lot of times we look at the new year, there's food. I wonder how long Joey Chestnut, if you know who he is, how long he could go uh, without food. This is a guy that ate 69 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I mean, 69 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Can you believe that? And then, I mean, there's, uh, there's something I'm sure he has to work on every year, you know, as far as not eating too much so he can keep that championship. I don't know who would want that championship, but... Um, you know, and even like sex, sex is such a, a drive and a hunger in our life that it can be one of the most beautiful things that God has ever given us, or it can rule and reign our life and destroy our life like any appetite can. Water, how long can you go without water? How long have you been without water before? I just finished reading, reading Marcus Luttrell's book, Lone Survivor, and how, what he went through, and, and uh, you know, the, he didn't have water for so, like, 
36 hours having rolled down that mountain so many times. Uh, they say you can go about three days before you get in trouble, but there's been one guy that went for 11 days or, uh, or so you know, because he had to, you know, and, and he survived it. That's just an amazing thing to me. Holding your breath, which is primary <laughs> to a surfer a lot of times, you know, how long can you hold your breath before your appetite overwhelms that urgency in your body to open your mouth? And, you know, two, three minutes, three minutes is excellent to hold your breath. But there's a guy from Germany that held his breath 22 minutes and 22 seconds. 22 minutes and 22 seconds. Do you think he was like hungering for some air right about the 14-minute mark there? He was down now. Granted, he had pure oxygen in his lungs and he's in a, like a 40-degree water bath so he can cool his body temperature temperature down so he won't have but still that hunger that thirst for air um for sleep i mean how long can you go without sleep i i read of one guy who went 11 days without sleeping i mean that's just an amazing thing and imagine how much he wanted rest even relationships when you get lonely and you hunger you have an appetite to to make some meaningful connection with somebody. And then there's God, you know, this drive inside of us, this appetite to want to know that life means something and that we are connected somehow, some way with our Creator so that all of this can work together and make sense to us. Is that a hunger in our lives as we go into 2014? So, I, you know, I've called this Hunger Games and uh, because we all play a hunger game with different things in our life whether they be, like I said, relationships with our food, with air, uh, all of this. And reading uh, a couple of weeks ago in my morning readings, I was reading through the book of Proverbs, and I came upon Proverbs 16.26. And I thought, man, what an amazing statement. I mean, it's just very clear and true, but it, it's chock full of what I think is good motivation. Proverbs 16.26, and I'm going to read this, and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll jump into this. Proverbs 16, 26 in the NIV says, The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Father, thank you for new beginnings, for a new year. We stand here, uh, Lord, on this Sunday, and we know that this is yet this whole next 12 months has yet to happen. It's not a reality yet. That there's plenty for us to pray about what we would like to see different in 2014 than what we've experienced in 2013. The plans that you have for us, God. And so I ask for your presence today. I ask for your help. I see through your scripture so many times you telling your men and women that you have a dream, you have a vision for them, and on and on you try to propel them into the future to do your will. We ask for clarity this morning. We ask for help. Holy Spirit, come, breathe life on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've got to fill in there if you want to track along with me and a pen, hopefully, and you can fill this first one out. And it's simply this from the scripture, Proverbs 16, 26. There's no appetite, there's no drive. If you don't have an appetite for something, there is no push. There's nothing behind you to drive you toward anything. And, of course, if there's no drive, then there's no movement. You're not going anywhere.
And it all starts with the appetite, the appetite for something. Because in that, I love this scripture because it's the appetite of laborers, and that is those who want to work, those who want to get up and do something. The appetite of laborers works for them. It works for them, not against them. It works for them, and their hunger drives them on. And so it's a great thing in the, in the beginning of the year to take a look at your appetites and say, which ones are good, which ones are healthy, which ones are driving me, which ones have me and are pushing me along because they are taking me somewhere. At the end of 2014, your appetites will take you somewhere. At the end of this year, you will be able to look back and go, I had a hunger for this, this, and this, and this is where it's taken me. And so how do we change that if we have the wrong appetites? And how do we know if we have the wrong appetites? Now, one hunger can overpower another stronger hunger. And there was a power, a drive in that hunger and that motivation. I read this uh, quote from Dr. Lester Mayers on sports medicine uh, from Pace University in Pleasantville, New York. He said this, that researchers have found that the primary difference between the elite and the non-elite triathlete was that the goal was the key. Competition was second. It was the goal that drove, that separated the triathlete, one triathlete from the other, not beating the guy next to him. It was the goal of completing it and getting it done as quick as he could. That's the goal. That is the movement. That's the drive, the appetite for the triathlete. The key one is the goal of finishing it and finishing it fast. And so ask yourself this morning, you know, what's my goal? What goal will satisfy the hunger I have in me this morning? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For what? They shall be filled. They will be filled. The goal was to be filled. Like the goal this morning, you know, I think most of us that come to church and are part of any church is that our goal is to be filled with more God's presence, to know Him a little more and to be able to walk closer with Him, to be a little more like He would want us to be. And so our goal, and so we hunger for righteousness and we thirst for righteousness. We want to be like our Lord. We want to taste it. We want to drink of the waters of life from Him. And so... That's why we gather together and we encourage one another and we go to small groups and we pray with one another and that's our hunger. And I think it's a good question a lot of times, is that a major hunger in our life? Do we still hunger for righteousness? Do we have a hunger for that or is something else taking its place? Do we hunger to be filled with that? What is your goal for 2014? Do you need to revisit what you have developed an appetite for? Did 2013 give you some appetites that are robbing you of some other healthy goal? And do you want to kind of deal with that one so you can have a better appetite for the ones that are good for you? Last year at the church, we decided we wanted to see more people come to Christ. We wanted to be able to at least do something, you know, do something to try to reach more people. And one of the things was this third service. We would do a third service and, and we would try it. You know, it's like, and, and uh, the volunteers it takes to do church, if you've been in church for a while, you know it costs. And, you know, that was my first thing. My first thing was, wow, this is really going to cost our volunteers to be here very early and, and to have to, we want to be able to offer the children's church. But our goal was to make room for more people so that if people came in with their families, they would have room to find seats and, and wouldn't have to, you know, it was pretty tight in here with just two services. And so... 
you know, try to make room. So did we hunger for the right thing? And what do we do in that movement? Is our appetite of the workers, the laborers, is it working for us? Is it driving, our hunger driving us on? And then there were the three Christmas Eve services, which we needed because we wouldn't have had room for two. And, uh, and then at Easter, what are we going to do at Easter this year? You know, there were 700 people in here last year in the two services between uh, the kids and everything. I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to do four? <laughs> what are we going to do? What's the goal? Is it to reach more people? And is that driving us? Is the goal driving us? Is our appetite for something? Is that the main momentum in our life? The gift baskets you guys put together uh, that Susan Harrell and her team put together. You know, you guys, 26 baskets and bags of food went out to the local police and fire and hospital personnel. And there were 197, uh, you know, policemen and firemen and EMS people and uh, hospital folks, nurses and all ministered to because of your kindness. Because you did that. Because we have an appetite to touch someone. You can't, you don't know if you really have an appetite till you see something pushing you, driving you toward that goal. Then you'll see if you have an appetite for it or not. And this, this year, some of the prognosticators in church work, like Tom Rayner, who I really respect and read, but Tom says that less and less people are going to come to Christ this year. That that's the way the church has been falling. The church has been falling in such a way that we don't really talk about people coming to Christ like we used to in church. That the majority of churches are intimidated, and so are the members, about talking about their faith with their family and friends. And so for the last few years, in general, churches have begun to see less and less and less new believers. And any church growth that's going on right now is because the deck's being shuffled. You know, one's moving from one church to the next, to the next, to the next. And, and so whatever's hot's over here, and people run over here. And then when that is not hot anymore, and we run over here. And when that's not hot, we run over here. But that's the majority of the growth. Are we satisfied with that? I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with the fact that people aren't coming to Christ like they probably could. You know, I'm not satisfied with us settling into that. They go, you know, okay. If God wants to send us 100 from a street down the church, praise the Lord. Let's go after him. I'm not satisfied with that. I don't hunger for that. I hunger for seeing you people, honestly, your family, your friends, people who don't know Jesus Christ, to come to know him. Do you have that hunger? I mean, isn't that why we're here? Isn't that why the church is here? Isn't that why God left us here with this good news, this great message? I mean, I, I don't know why else we'd be here. He'd just zap us, take us. I mean, we know him, right? We're here so others can know him. So there's this gaping void right now in the church world uh, in general where people, the churches have bailed out on that, that whole aspect. And by that, I don't mean just the pastors. I mean the churches have bailed out on wanting to talk to others about their experience with Christ. Do we have a hunger for that to change? If we do, then we're going to have some goals in 2014 for us to do differently. To do some things differently. And each of us individually have to decide that. You as families have to decide that. You have to decide whether I'm going to step out there and I'm going to share my faith and I'm going to pray and I'm going to look for opportunities. And we as a church and the church leaders and the small groups, they've got to, they've got to get a vision and a hunger to say, let's all learn together how do we share our faith in a really authentic, authentic but powerful way. How can we get back to doing what we're called to do? And why we were left here. 
Can 2014 be different? It can if we have an appetite for it to be different. If we change what we're looking to be different, if we have a hunger for something, if we're not satisfied with, you know, we've experienced about 18% growth here yearly, 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 in the last few months, a couple of percent. And um, and as we ended up the year, are we satisfied with that? Is that a goal? That's not the goal. The goal is to see more people come to know Christ. For more families to be healed. For families to joy, for the joy of God to come to people on this earth. Because the joy is in the Lord. And I mean, I said it last, a couple of weeks ago, the church should be the happiest place in the world. I mean, God has forgiven us. There's nothing more we can do for God to love us any more than he does right now. That is like fantastic news. And out of that comes this desire and this appetite to see others experience the same thing. Is that an appetite for us going into 2014? I came up with an acronym that's in your handout there, and it's using the letters P-U-S-H, PUSH. Because I want us to push into 2014. And... Uh, you know, and you could, I think you could apply this. This is all out of the book of Proverbs. All of these are. And uh, I think you could apply this physically. If you want to get healthier this year, you could take this PUSH acronym and you could use this for, uh, for that. You can use it financially. I mean, financially, we've, you know, we've, we're going to offer the legacy, uh, Ramsey's uh, legacy uh, teaching here in just a few weeks. And if you want to look at your finances and get them together and have them in such a way that they will bless your children, bless your grandchildren, and where you can pull it together and have it organized and, and have a goal for your finances. And you want, to, you want to jump into Ramsey's legacy campaign and you want to be a part of it. You want to be a part of that to get it together. But it's never just going to happen unless you have an appetite and that appetite drives you toward that goal. And so here's something we're offering, you know, for you to uh, use to get there is Dave Ramsey's legacy teachings. And then spiritually, maybe you want to be different, you know, at the end of 2014. I do. I want to be different spiritually as far as my growth and my awareness of God's presence and how to hear him speak and how to move with him. So your first, the P there is simply this, and that's the word plan, plan. Proverbs 14.22, plan. Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Do you have a plan? And I'll forego all these cliches about planning, but just say that we go nowhere and we attain no goal outside of some plan. We leave for a trip, we pick up our phones, and we go, Siri... Take me to Chattanooga, Tennessee, you know, and, she, and she tells me how to get there. Or you put it into your GPS, or you look at a map. I still like maps. I like drawings, but, you know, but you can always ask her. And, uh, but there's some plan. If you fly out of here, you're going somewhere. You don't just run down to the Myrtle Beach Airport and go, give me a ticket, give me a ticket. And they go, where? And you go, there. And they said, where? There. Where, there, where, there, you know, and they're like, man, you can go all, you know, you can go all over the place. Where do you want to go? And you go, I just want to go there. 
Well, there, there is exactly where you're going to end up, which is you don't know where there is because you don't, haven't got a ticket for there. You don't know the route there. And so the only way we get there is if we make some kind of a plan and work it. It's the only way it works. Make a plan. Get a ticket to somewhere that you want to go. If it's losing weight, get a plan. There's so many ways to get help for that. People in this church that can help. There's programs on the internet that you can pick up. But get a plan. Get a plan and do it. If you want healthy finances, like I said, you can take Dave Ramsey's The Legacy Journey or wait for FPU, Financial Peace University, to roll back around again and sign up for it. Ask someone to mentor you in uh, balancing your, you know, your checkbook or your account. Let somebody help you do that. Get a plan. There is help available. But are you motivated? Do you have an appetite for that? Because really, if we don't have a plan for it, we don't have much of an appetite for it, do we? We don't. Do you want a healthier lifestyle physically next year? You know, how about get a plan? And you're like, man, it just freaks me out to think i got to go out there and run three miles a day. Well, take a walk. Let that be the plan. Get out and take a walk. Just take a walk for 15 minutes. G.K. Chesterton, the great Christian philosopher, said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. I love that saying. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. That is, like, you know what always stops us? The start. That's what stops us, the start. And because if we don't have a strong appetite for something, we haven't developed it yet, when we look down the road a piece, we'll back up and go, oh, man, you know, nah, nah, I'm not going to do that. And so the start stops us every time. Get a plan. If you want to be sp uh, spiritually healthier, you become a part of a church. We'd love for you to be a member at this church. Get in a small group. Uh, sign up for Vineyard Institute and take some seminary courses out there. I mean, they're, they're wonderful. Seminary level, master degree level, and you'll learn an amazing amount about the Scripture and about the kingdom over the next couple of years if you'll jump into that. Find a prayer partner, somebody that you can pray with. There is no bigger blessing than that. And having somebody that maybe once a week you gather with and you guys, you know, you get together. I, I've got a couple of friends that I do this with. I've got a pastor friend. it has been my friend for 35 years. And we get together once a month and we confess our sins. We pray over each other, cry over each other, laugh over each other, encourage one another, and just push each other on. You know, just push each other on. And uh, find someone to pray with, a prayer partner. Somebody grab a cup of coffee an hour a week and do that with. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get there Unless you have a plan. Your second letter, the U, is understand. Plan and now understand. Proverbs 20, 25 says, It is foolish and rash to make a promise to the Lord before counting the cost. It is foolish and rash to make a promise to the Lord before counting the cost. That's the Living Bible's version. The NIV says it is a trap to dedicate something rashly only later to consider one's vow. You do need to look down the road. You do need to look down the road. But you don't stop halfway. But you do look down the road. And you need to understand that this is serious business, developing a good, healthy appetite for something. That it will cost you something. You know, the older I get, the more it costs me to go surfing. <laughs> 
you know, every year, <laughs> every year it's like, you know, if I, don't, if I don't keep, especially this part of me, up in pretty good shape for paddling, as soon as the big waves come around, you know, whenever they, in the nor'easter, like today, when it's, the water's 48, 49 degrees, and you suit up and you paddle out, and there's white water going over your head, or come around August, September, and we get some tropical storms, we go up to North Carolina, and you got to paddle 200 yards out through white water, that, you know, the older you get, let me tell you something, I better understand it's going to cost me something <laughs> because I have gotten in trouble before, you know, not here, but down in Costa Rica and other places, not understanding that it's going to cost me something to get out to where I see those waves. So I, that's what the plan is for, is once I understand there's where I want to go, then I have a plan to get me there. But it's good to look at it and understand and say, this is going to cost me I mean, Paul, you know, it's one thing you just, you, you make a plan, you understand, and you just start carrying it out. Paul, I know he used the word run one time maybe, but you know what his main word was for the Christian, uh, the whole journey? Walk. Paul used the word walk over and over and over again. In other words, the Christian faith is simply putting one foot in front of the other and making your way, making your way. Understand that that's what it's going to take. You pick your foot up and you take one step. Then you take the next step and you take the next step. And that's in our spirituality, walking with Jesus. It's one step toward him, one step toward him, one step toward him. If it's losing weight, it's cutting back 10 calories, cutting back 20 calories, cutting back 30 calories. If it's getting physical, it's taking a walk. Then maybe it's walking a little bit more. Maybe it's going to the gym, but it's walking, walking, one step at, the, at a time. Understand that it will take you, it will cost you to get to where you want to be. But the appetite of the laborers works for them. If you have an appetite for it, it works for you. Their hunger drives them on. What do you hunger for? What do you need to develop as an appetite, a healthy appetite? Uh, Jesus told his friends in Luke 14, 28, he said, Suppose one of you want to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Just don't take off building and then go, I didn't know it was going to cost me this much. Like you want to know you can finish what you started. And so you plan and you understand. If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Understand what it takes to finish. And then your third one, the S here. Plan, understand, see. See it. Proverbs 29, 18a, the part of that verse, where there is no vision, the people perish, the King James says. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. One other uh, version says that they run around rampant. They run around crazy. Like where you don't see something that you want, you basically go, it's chaos. If you can't focus for something, then there's no restraint. There's no channel for you to run in. There's nothing that you have got your resources pointing toward so you can get to the goal. Can you see where you want to be in 2014 at the end of the year where you have an appetite? Can you see it right now? Do you see it? You say, oh, this is mumbo jumbo. Really? God took Abraham out at night and he pointed up at the stars and he said, you see those stars, Abraham? Here's a vision. Your kids are going to be like that. You see the ocean? Let me give you a vision, Abraham. You're going to be like the sands on the sea. 
Mary, when she found out she was pregnant with Jesus, we just came through Advent. The angel said, Mary, hold on. Don't freak out because I'm going to change the world through you. You're carrying the Messiah. What a vision. That's what she saw when she pondered these things in her heart, when she heard what the shepherds said and she pondered it. That was all of this seeing. What was God up to? And Jesus told the disciples, he said, look, leave your nets and what? I'll turn you from fishers of fish into fishers of men. That's a vision. Go into all the world. That's a vision. Can you see where you want to be? Can you see it? Can you see the goal? Always start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind, where you want to be. The end of 2000. Jesus is the most exquisite, radical example of this, I think, because in, like in Romans 8, 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then you jump to Hebrews 12, 2, and we read this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What was the joy? Yes, it was being obedient to his father. But do you know what his joy was? You. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. His vision was of seeing you, knowing him. He saw that before he started his journey, and that was the joy set before him. I mean, do you see family members, friends, that you want to see come to Christ? Is that the joy set before you? People that you want to know, that know Jesus? Is that the joy set before you? I mean, God uses visions and dreams to speak to people. All through the scripture, he's done this over and over again. Ask God for a vision, for a dream, to see where God wants you at the end of 2014. Develop that appetite. Start with the end in mind. Helen Keller, who was deaf and blind, and you know the first deaf and blind person to ever get a bachelor's of art degree, ever. She said, it is a terrible thing to see and have no vision. A terrible thing to see and have no vision. Blind and deaf. And she did so much with her life. A terrible thing. Last thing is the H. You plan, you understand, you see it. And this is a very deep theological phrase. Have at it. Okay? Have at it. Have at it. Go. Have at it. Push into 2014. And you plan, you've understood it's going to cost me. Okay, I know, you know I've got to do this to get there. I can see it, though. I see the end of it. I see where I'm headed. I know how to get there. Now it's time to start walking. Put one foot in front of the other. Proverbs 12, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Diligent hands will rule. And like I said, you know what stops most is the start. Take a step. Have at it today. And again, some people go, oh, man, you know, like it's already the 5th of January. I was going to read through the Bible this year. No reason to start now. 
Oh, man, come on. Anything worth doing is worth doing what? Badly. Okay, start today. Go to, you know, go to January 5th in uh, the Bible app or in your read through the Bible in a year and, and read the 5th. Come on. You know, take a step. Take one step. Do it. Go out and take a walk this afternoon. Just walk around the block. Take a step. Let's go. Have at it. Have at it. Get started. I mean, this isn't about resolutions, you know, at all. This is about a revolution more than it is anything. It's turning our minds around and getting the mind of Christ and going, this is where God wants me to head in 2014. For this church, on January the 26th, we're going to have a vision night here where we talk about 2014. We'll look back a little bit. I hope all of you guys will come out that Sunday night. We're going to worship a little bit together, and then we're going to share and pray together for 2014. You know, I want to put a dent in Tom Rainer's statistics in 2014. I want to see some people, I want to see a lot of people come to know Jesus this next year. And I want to see them come through you guys. I want to see him come to you talking to them and sharing how much you love God and what he's meant in your life and just being a friend to them, not strong arm tactics, just allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he does best like he's done in so many of our lives where he gripped our own hearts, convicted us, and someone was there to help lead us through that. Being with people when they're having their tough times, that's one of the most glorious opportunities you will ever have to be able to be available to share your faith is when people go through loss or whenever they go through really great times. Either one of those are great times to be with people because they have such needs. And so when you get invited, church member, when you get invited into someone's pain, that is a real gift. That is a real gift because they obviously believe that you're a comforting person. And we know the comforter, don't we? We know the Holy Spirit, the comforter of God that comes to live with us. And so what a time to be there with them, to be Christ for them, and also to bring them, maybe, or show them the love of Christ. Today's, uh, today's a big football day. Any Packers fans in here? Um, one Packers fan is so sad. Two? Two. Jim. Oh, Jim. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I want to end this because Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Packers, I was reading USA Today this past week, and he made this comment about the game today uh, with the 49ers, I guess at about 4 o'clock or 4.30 this afternoon. And I thought, man, this is so good for the year, the beginning of the year. He said this, we're in it. That's the most important thing. This is a special moment. And my friends here at the church... We're in it, 2014, and this is a special moment. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.